Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. You're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 212 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live on October the 15th, 2020. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Pete. What's going on? Not much. Uh, folks, we are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day, and we want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Pete. Kevin. How are you doing, my friend? What, what, I'm what well. Is, How what, are what's you? New? I'm good. I'm good. So we are, we are just a few, like, we're about a half a month away from your trip. Is, is it happening? Um, I'm hoping it is. So you're still not sure? Well, I mean, I'm feeling good about it. Um, you know, I never want to say 100% because you never know in the current climate. But, right. of course. You know, let's see. All right. Well, I mean, that's more hopeful than you've been in recent uh, weeks and months. That's so. true. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be able to get down here and have your uh, your mask filled Disney vacation. It, I, I will. I one of the new one of the first news items this week. We'll, we'll get into it in a sec. But like park attendance has gone up, and and uh, you know we'll get into that when we get into the news. But uh, real quick before we get started, I wanted to just bring up one thing uh, to any of our listeners that might happen to be in the New Jersey uh, area this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be performing at the UWA Elite uh, Brawl for It All show over in Parlin, New Jersey at the Knights of Columbus. It's going to be an outdoor show with social distancing guidelines, so masks must be worn. Um, it is outside, so everyone has to bring lawn chairs, pretty much, uh, kind of like plays in the park style, for those of people that know what that is. Um, but, uh, yeah, it should be a really good night. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. That's exciting. Yeah, one of the biggest shows we've had in a while, so I'm very, very excited for it. Uh, so any more information on that can be found at UWLE.com. Tickets are $15 in advance uh, or $20 at the door. So, Okay, so ready for the news? Yes. News brought to you, as always, by our good buddy Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. All right, worldwide news. Park attendance is going up. And if you've been anywhere near, like, the Disney, like, social media bubble, you've seen it because people are posting pictures. I mean, it's it's getting a little scary. Yeah, I think maybe it's just, you know, people are feeling more comfortable. Yeah, they shouldn't. <laughs> they should not be feeling comfortable right now at all. Uh, because, you know, um, but, you know, Disney does a, a better job than most of the social distancing protocols. It's just a matter of when you have so many people, sometimes it's, it's impossible to follow them. Right. You know, it's not hard for APs to get park reservations anymore, but still, but it, it's just like they're firing so many people, but attendance is now skyrocketing and I, you got to wonder if that's going to affect the way the park runs hmm. you know like all these layoffs and all that and, and all of that but like well they're still at they're still at a low capacity lower yeah but i mean capacity has gone up they've they've increased it right i thought it was still at 25 
I believe they've increased it. I know, like, Florida's governor was like, you guys can go back to normal. And Disney was like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. But Yeah, I thought I read an article saying that uh, Chappick said they were going to stay at 25 until the CDC changes guidelines. Okay. All right. I, I just know that, like, you know, crowds have been going up. Those those low, low wait times that we've been talking about for months, those don't exist anymore. Yeah, no, they're not around. Yeah. Um, even, like, smaller rides have, like, 20 to 30-minute waits with, with a lot of the e-ticket rides being more in the 60 to 70, 90-minute range, uh, right. which is unheard of for this time of year also. Uh, but I think part of the problem is that there's no fast pass at the moment. Right. And, and that's a huge issue, and you have to... I think if if crowds are going up, you're going to have to see a return to fast pass at some point soon. Yeah, I mean, you would hope so. Would would that would that impact the the wait times? You think that would make them go down, or do we think that the standby lines are actually less now because there's no fast pass? You know, it's funny. I, I used to think like that uh, it would make it worse, even just because I can remember like Pirates of the Caribbean never really having a wait after they put in fast pass. It seemed to always have some kind of a wait. Right. Um, I'm not sure. I, I wonder how that really works. You know, yeah. Magic Kingdom is also a bad park to judge because there's so many rides with fast pass. Yes. That it does make it a little hard to kind of gauge on that park. Yep. Uh, operating hours are returning to close to normal. Magic Kingdom is going to see a 9 p.m. close on October 31st for Halloween, and the most days in November have been extended to an 8 p.m. close. Uh, now, it, okay. had been, it had been closing at, like, 6 p.m. Uh, Thanksgiving week, we'll also see a 9 p.m. close. At Epcot, Halloween's going to have a 10 p.m. close, and hours throughout November have been increased to a 9 p.m. close, with Thanksgiving week having a 10 p.m. close. Animal Kingdom on Halloween will be uh, 7 a.m. opening, and the majority of weekends in November will see an 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. operating day. No changes have yet been made for Hollywood Studios, which is odd because that continues to be the busiest of all the four and kind of where you're seeing a lot of those traffic jams and and, and problematic social distancing. Uh, finally, Disney Springs has moved to an 11 p.m. close on weekends, and that is already in, in flux. Uh, Disney appears to be adjusting these times based on the continued increase in attendance that the parks have been seeing over the past month. Um, and, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're planning your trips, you can now plan accordingly with those times. I will say just from monitoring wait times the last week or so, yeah. it does also look, you know, not surprisingly like the wait times for rides go down the later in the day you get. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, resort news. The opening of Coronado Springs has been pushed back, uh, but only by two days. Originally, it was rescheduled to open yesterday, October 14th, but it will now reopen tomorrow, October 16th. And uh, in some dining news at resorts, characters are returning to Chef Mickey's. Did you see this? Oh, really? As of December 16th, along with the return of characters, new menu items will debut at what is now an all-you-care-to-eat family-style feast instead of the previous buffet. So mm. they're kind of changing. They, they don't want people at a buffet. Uh, right. As we've seen at other Walt Disney World restaurants, expect the characters to parade through the restaurant instead of visiting tables as they have previously done. Reservations for Chef Mickey's can be made on October 17th. I would think, uh, you know, forget about the fact that you're picking food out of trays, you know, at yeah. a buffet. But also, I mean, are you asking people to put their masks back on when they go up to the buffet? Like, well, I feel yeah, like that's that why you can't really do work it. right now. Yeah, like, yeah. that's why, like, we ate at uh, Liberty Tree Tavern a couple weeks ago, and... I was thinking to myself, this is this is my preferred 
all you can eat, you know, style right now where they just bring the food to you. Yeah, I've never really had a problem with it. And I've seen the food that they've been serving at Chef Mickey's. Yeah. And it looks great. So, you know, if you're going to just bring your food to the table and you'll get more if I ask for it. I mean, I don't think you can really argue with that. I guess the only thing would be selection. You know, I mean, that's the real joy of a buffet is, you know, an immense selection of stuff you're not even going to touch, like cereals and stuff. (laughs) So um, the granola bars. Right. But that's the thing. I mean, right. There's something for there's people who like that. There's right. stuff for everyone. So right. I guess that does limit. Yeah. I um, Oh, guess what, mom? You, you paid thirty dollars for this buffet and I'm having Captain Crunch. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so get, let me add. Oh, lobster eggs, Benedict. I'm holding on. Hold that. I'm going to go for these Fruit Loops. <laughs> uh, they're the exact same price. <laughs> uh Disney Springs news, some bad news here. Wolfgang Puck Express has permanently closed. Did you ever eat here? Did not. I ate in a regular either. restaurant, but not the Express. I didn't either. And the Disney dads were telling me, like, oh, you have to go. You have to go. It's like the best. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That's on my radar now. I'm going to go. Now I'm not going to go. Because the restaurant abruptly shut down operations overnight last week and has had its windows covered along with signage and menus pulled from the exterior. Uh, It was a popular fast casual location recognized by frequent visitors as offering high quality food that was more like a table service restaurant than at quick service prices. Wolfgang Puck Express had reopened in mid-July following the shutdown in mid-March from the pandemic. Um, The Wolfgang Puck Bar and Grill in town center remains open, however. Hmm. So, yeah, this was uh, this was this was shocking. I was I was shocked by this. Surface parking has also reopened at Disney Springs in a limited capacity. That means the watermelon lot is going to be open. Uh, it's located in front of the Cirque du Soleil building, as, uh, and it will be open for guests after 3 p.m. As with all the other parking lot locations in the garages, temperature screening is in place for ge- guests arriving via the watermelon parking lot. All of the parking at Disney Springs has the name of fruit. I like that. It's the orange garage, the lime garage, the grapefruit garage, then we've got the watermelon lot. You got the strawberry lot. Um, there's a whole bunch of fruit themed. I don't know why. I don't know why when they were building Disney Springs or downtown Disney, where they were like, you know what? Fruit. Why not? Fruit. They'll get it. They'll understand. I would like to park in a watermelon lot. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Magic Kingdom news. The People Mover refurbishment has been extended again. I saw this yesterday and was just like, what is happening over there? I think they just don't want to reopen it. That has to be it at this point. Yep, it is is extended to at least December 26th, which I think is pretty much a lock that it's not reopening this year. Yeah, well... If you think about it, if this gets to March, then the People Mover will have been closed for a year. Yeah. Yep. Imagine how how great it's going to run when it reopens. I I bet you it doesn't. (laughs) Um, The reopening date has been moved back four times since the refurbishment began and was most recently planned to be closed through November 28th. Uh, A new color scheme is being added to the Magic Kingdom toll booth, which I thought was actually really cool. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the Magic Kingdom Auto Plaza is currently in the middle of a much-needed refurbishment, bringing a familiar color palette to the first arrival point for guests visiting the Magic Kingdom. Because, I mean, you see this, you know, no matter what way you're coming in, unless you're coming in by, like, resort launch boat, you're seeing that Magic Kingdom toll booth um, and now you're going to be seeing it in the bl- in the deep blue and gold accents 
that Cinderella Castle has. Um, so it's in the process of being repainted now, but half of it is already done and it looks fantastic. Yeah, I thought it looked good too. In further Magic Kingdom news, the Friars Nook and Adventureland Spring Roll Cart have reopened. Uh, they um, so those are currently open, and the lunching pad in Tomorrowland will be open on uh, has already reopened again on October 9th. Uh, further Magic Kingdom news: the Riverboat and Tom Sawyer Island have been closed for refurbishment. Closure, closures of both began October 5th, 2020, and will run through early 2021. So that's pretty a lengthy, pretty much a lengthy refurbishment. Yeah. As part of the work, expect the Rivers of America to be drained. I feel like they just drained it, like, recently. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't as recent as I'm thinking, but I'm like, are they they're doing this again? Interesting. Yeah. Um... I mean, you know, I, it, this is nothing that bothers me or affects me because I don't do either of these things typically. Right, right. But, I mean, I did see that Tom Sawyer Island had reopened uh, the last time I was there, so. Are there, like, social distancing markers on the ground and I all over? I didn't go to Tom Sawyer Island, so I wouldn't you know. find out. You <laughs> yeah. do a flyover. A flyover. <laughs> Activate a drone and send it in there. Right. The two men in the mouse drone. Like those impossible bridges to walk across have like social distancing markers oh on them. Now. The barrel bridge, could you imagine yeah. social distancing on that? Uh, Epcot news. An annual pass holder exclusive store has opened in the Germany pavilion in the Der Teddy Bar toy shop. Okay. Offers a range of passholder logo merchandise and offerings from around World Showcase and beyond. The store is heavily discounted. Many items are 50% off, which can then have the additional 30% off added onto it for passholder that passholders wow. currently have. So you're talking 80% off merchandise in this store. That's wild. Yes. A $50 purchase also gets you a free bonus gift, but these are things that a lot of annual passholders probably already have. Uh, they are the cutting boards and coaster sets from uh, Food and Wine a couple years ago, which were the free gifts that were given out of Food right. and Wine to pass holders on your fourth visit. The store is open from 1130 a.m. to park close Monday through Friday and is currently expected to be available through November 17th, 2020. A virtual queue wait list is also available for busy times. Uh, oh, no stop security scanners have also been installed in Epcot. Oh, that's cool. Yep. These were originally piloted in June at Disney Springs. They greatly reduce the need for bag checks and provide a much-needed improved guest experience when entering the park. Uh, with the main entrance at Epcot, the scanners are now in use at International Gateway, Disney's Animal Kingdom, and Disney's Hollywood Studios. So they already had it kind of like at the front of the park, but now they have it at the International Gateway also. I'm really interested in seeing these. I mean, it's great. You literally just walk right through. They just tell you like to take out like an umbrella or like a metal water bottle or something like that if you have it. Um, but other than that, you're good. You have to take out your keys. Not your your nothing. That sounds um, cool. According to the manufacturer, Evolve Express is the first no-stop weapon screening system built to automatically screen groups of people as they walk through without slowing or stopping. Express screens visitors individually or together while automatically differentiating weapons from personal items. It is the fastest weapon screening system on the market, consistently screening 60 people every minute for firearms and other threats. That's 3,600 people per hour or 10 times faster than a traditional checkpoint system. Uh... Frozen Ever After is being refurbished, but only for a couple days. Literally a couple days. Uh, closure begins November 2nd through to November 6th, which is impacting your trip. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, it reopens to guests on November seventh. So are you gonna be? Are you? Are, is this gonna be a no frozen uh, trip for you? Uh, you know, if it is, I'd be okay. What was the date? I know to the sixth. Yeah, closes on the second and reopens on the seventh. You know, ironically, no. I'll be. I think I'm gonna be there on November first. Oh, okay. But having said that, it might be no frozen anyway. We were talking about you know like the big three at Epcot, right? right. Right. And if you could only do, you know, one, what would it be? If you could do two, what would they be? Right. And honestly, Frozen probably ranks third in that group for us. Yeah, it makes sense. So, you know, if there's one that's going to, and plus, you know, my son, he's going to want to go on Spaceship Earth multiple times. Oh, of course. He's got to get his last. Uh, you, yeah. You guys like got a second gonna... chance here to get your last at bat. Right. So we're, we're going to have probably multiple uh, viewings. <laughs> so yeah. Frozen might not make it this time, but I'm okay with that. Okay. All right, Hollywood Studios news. Mira from Disney Junior appeared in Disney's Hollywood Studios last weekend only, so it was a limited time engagement. Uh, but she appeared in the uh, Disney Junior motorcade. I don't know why she would be there for just one weekend and then go away again, but... Hmm, that is a lot. Mira Royal Detective is a CGI animated mystery adventure children's television series inspired by Indian culture and, and customs. It debuted on Disney Junior on March 20th, 2020. Um... It's funny. I, I was telling the kids, this is the first time they've like rolled out a character from like Disney Junior, and like I have never even heard of it. So that's yeah. how I know my kids are getting like old, old. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, no idea who that even is. Yep. Uh, the Disney Junior Caravan is something else because, well, first of all, I really like the themed cars that they ride around in. Yeah, that's cool. But secondly, the music gets stuck in your head forever. Well, they, that's that's they like that. Yeah, um, like it's like it's a Disney Junior party, all right, and we're gonna have a wonderful night. And it, like it, it's just it it like it gets ingrained into your head, and now it's in my head for the rest of today. I'll be singing that all day. All right, further news. ABC Commissary has reopened with a new menu. A new menu includes sandwiches, salads, tacos, and rice bowls. Uh, operating hours of the restaurant are 10.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. I'm all bummed out. I, th- I thought the menu didn't look good. The new menu? Yeah, I didn't like it. Did you take a peek at it? I did. I thought it looked fine. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't appeal to me. All right. Well, restaurant changes have also occurred uh, as far as times go. The Backlot Express is actually increasing its operating time by one hour. We'll be now closing at 5 p.m. instead of 4 p.m. Pizza Rizzo will be reducing its hours. Uh, it was currently 11.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. It will now be going from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, Ronto Roasters also reducing hours. Originally 9.30 to 8 p.m. Or 9.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. Now it's going to be 9.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. They're cutting five hours of Ronto Roasters time. They are, but I heard you can actually get the Ronto wrap yes. after they close. After they close, the Ronto wrap will be available at Docking Bay 7. Right. I need me my Ronto wrap. I mean, like, the Ronto wrap is probably my favorite thing in in Galaxy's Edge to eat. I hear nothing but good things about it. It's fantastic. I love it. All right. That's the news this week. So we're going to take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors and be back with more Two Men in the Mouse after these fine words. You know, Pete, it's hard work planning a Disney vacation. 
course. Your whole family has to get going. You got to pack everything up. You got to figure out where you're eating. You got to figure out where you're staying. But you know what makes life so much easier? Makes your trip planning a more fun experience? Tell me. It sounds like something I need. Absolutely. You need a travel agent. Do we know one of those? We absolutely do. We know our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men and the Mouse, folks. We've both used him. Yes, we have. Dave Weikert plans our Disney vacations all the time, and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves. Dave started his Cranford-based business here in 2008, and in that time has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it was his own, and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with, and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. That is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that. That's like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney cruise line vacations you might be going. Uh, This can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. He gave them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse. If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip, whereas park-rented strollers, you got to return them before you leave the park that day. This is going to make those late-night post-fireworks bus stop queues so much easier, and Dad's shoulders are going to thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. humans my name is morty monster and i'm uh, well 
I'm a monster. I'm here as an exchange student from the monster world, where growing up I fell in love with the world of human pop culture. Unfortunately, not a lot of monsters share that passion, so I came here to experience all of these things that I love and to share that passion with all of you. I do this through my YouTube channel with regular video blogs. One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonster and friends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you. Morty Monster! This is Bill Farmer, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Folks, I hope you've got your walking shoes on, because it is world tour time here on Two Men and the Mouse. That's right, the world tour is back. We are still in Epcot, and we are continuing to explore the wonder and majesty that is Future World, Pete. We went uh, down the center last time. We talked about Spaceship Earth. We talked about all, like, the shops and stuff like that, and some of the restaurants in the center, Um, some things that aren't there anymore. Uh, and today we are going to be uh, heading into Future World West. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a a, a heck of a um, of a time to explore today. So this week for our e-ticket attraction of the week, the world tour continues with Epcot Future World Part Two. All right. So we're not covering all of Future World West in one day because it was just way too much to cover in one, in one show. Right. Uh, because so basically, what we're going to do instead of being like today is Future World West and then is Future World East, we're going to be doing pavilions. I like that. Yeah. So um, today we're going to be focusing most on the seas, and we're going to be focusing on the land pavilions, uh, and bef- and then we will you know go into Future World East, and fo- uh, I, I'm sorry, then we'll do the Imagination Pavilion, then we'll go to Future World East, and then we'll do um, Test Track. Mission Space, Energy Adventure, and the and you know the the uh, the old pavilion that you Wonders of Life Pavilion. There it is. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's been gone so long that I forgot it. Uh, so the Future World West is soon going to become the area that will be known as World Nature, which we'll go into more in the next installment. But uh, I want to start off with the seas. The seas, yeah, the seas with Nemo and friends, an aquarium dark ride combination. Uh, which is also known as the Seas Pavilion. Opened in 1986, but was planned as part of the park since before the opening in 1982. So it was not really in the phase in phase one of Epcot, but it was something that was always planned to be there. It started out as the Living Seas and opened on January 15th, 1986. It was home to the world's largest saltwater tank at the time with 5.7 million gallons of water. This was surpassed in 2005 by the Georgia Aquarium, but it held that record for quite a while. Uh, So 
I've been told uh, that you can fit the entirety of Spaceship Earth in the aquarium at the Living Seas. That's amazing, right? Yeah, or at the Seas Pavilion. Um, the original concept was not Nemo, because Nemo was not even a glint in anyone's eye in 1986. Uh, it was an ocean lab, a lab on the ocean floor called Seabase Alpha. Uh, guests viewed a movie about the formation of the oceans before boarding a hydrolator which would take you down to the ocean floor. The hydrolator was an elevator that went through water. Uh, in reality, it's a stationary hydraulic elevator. You're not going anywhere. But it felt like you were. It kind of used that, like, um, that technology. I remember, like, the water would all, like, start moving in the in the tubes. Yep. On it. So I liked the hydrolators. Uh, so after that, you boarded a sea cap on the Caribbean Coral Reef ride and rode through the middle of the tank. Once that was done, you disembarked into the main exhibit area, and then you had to board another hydrolator to get back to the surface when you exited. And this was sponsored by United Technologies until 1998. And what's interesting is when they when they revamped this into Nemo, the full pavilion never closed. I mean, it's big enough. I get it. Yeah. Uh, in 2001, the sea cabs were, were closed down, and those were all walled off. Uh, you then, after you got the hydrolator, you then walked along the former wheelchair corridor to get to Sea Base Alpha. It became Nemo and Friends in 2006, but the refurb started in 2003. It started with exterior elements shifting to more of a Nemo focus, uh, because Nemo was such a smash hit for Pixar at the time. Right. Uh, and then interior stuff started to happen in 2004. Now, the, the biggie here was Turtle Talk with Crush opened on November 16th, 2004. It was so wildly successful that it completely overwhelmed the pavilion, and that was when they were like, okay, I guess we have to start making some changes. Uh, Turtle Taco Crush, let's talk a bit about it. Um, do your kids love Turtle Taco Crush, or did they? Well, honestly, we've never done it. No one really never? ever had interest. Nope. See, I thought your kids would, I thought Ethan especially would be wild about like the living character initiative, where basically like the crush on the screen is is you guys really have no interest in any of the living characters stuff because you don't do the monsters and glass floor either you're right yeah it's not something uh apparently that speaks to us huh, no that's really interesting yeah. <laughs> good one that was, that was that was quite the dad joke you had there right <laughs> um but uh, so on, on August 25th, 2005, the Living Seas closed to be transformed into the Seas with Nemo and Friends. Of course, the actual sea base was still open during the refurbishment. The exit hydrolators were removed and replaced with glass doors so that you could easily come in and out. The sea cabs were then rebuilt as clam mobiles. And the remaining Living Seas pre-show theater, entrance hydrolators, and holding areas... And the Sea Cab's queue were all completely removed and replaced by a new themed queue area. That is the current nighttime beach area. It's so dark in there hmm. when you go through that queue. Have you ever noticed how dark it is? Yeah, it is. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the beach at night. But it's also so cold in there. Like, when you walk in there on a hot day, there is nothing like that, that queue on a hot day. Hydrolator 3 and Theater 1 were replaced by a number of new dark ride sets. The former Sea Cabs ride was lengthened by 280 feet, which is 85 meters, for those of you that are wisely on the metric system, uh, through the space formerly used by the pre-show theater. But the final section still took place inside the tank, and a new projection technology was added to the tank uh, along with the new show scenes. Of course, that projection technology is the technology that allows Nemo and friends to appear to be inside the tank with the real fish. Which I love, like you have no idea. Oh, that was so so cool. I absolutely like when that happened. I was just like, uh, yes, 
it's not something that's lost on me, even though I've been on that ride a dozen times. I'm I, I, yeah, I always appreciate it. Yeah, I'm yeah. constantly amazed by it. Um, so the new ride fully opened on January 24th, 2007, uh, after a very lengthy refurbishment. So uh, the this was the first Epcot Pavilion to be based entirely around a Disney animated movie. And I believe the only one as of, as of, as of now. Uh, we are about to have a pavilion that's based on a Marvel movie, which will also be a first with Guardians of the Galaxy right. um, roller coaster. But the um, let's talk a bit about the sea base itself. I really, really love going to the sea base and like learning about all the different uh, animals in there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a experience you don't get anywhere else i mean yeah now the dolphins are bottle are are um i believe they are bottlenose dolphins um i don't i you know what don't quote me on that because i thought i had written down what they were and i didn't i know the manatees are west indian manatees um but the um the manatee area i love because you can view them underwater and then you can go upstairs to kind of chat with one of the trainers and view them from above and see all the lettuce in the water yeah, they love to eat those heads they, of lettuce. They love those lettuce, man. The romaine lettuce. I'm like, better you than me, manatees, because I hate romaine lettuce. Uh, and iceberg lettuce. And pretty much all versions of lettuce. I'm not a lettuce fan. No. Must make salads hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, typically for me, salads have to kind of be drenched in dressing to, to get any kind of enjoyment out of Or have a lot of meat in them. Like, Got it. Like the buffalo chicken salad from um, Salad Works up in New Jersey, which I desperately miss down here. Um but yeah, we're we're getting off on a on a salad tangent. Um, the dolphins you'll notice are separated from the rest of the uh, the sea creatures, and I, I remembered as a kid the dolphins just kind of being in there with all the other animals. And so when I did the dolphins in depth tour, which we'll talk about in a second, I asked, I was like, "Hey, why are the dolphins walled off? Like, I feel like I remember them being with the other like creatures in there." And, and they were like, "Yeah, well, the dolphins got a little too playful." And they would, like, throw the sharks out of the water. Um, wow. Yeah, he said, they said the, shark, the, the sharks would get thrown, like, 10 feet above the water level. And they would gang up on the sea turtle and literally skip it across the top of the water like a stone. <laughs> so they, had, they ended up having to separate the dolphins. Uh, now, Dolphins in Depth go. is a great tour, and I highly recommend it to everybody. You get to go. You get to go backstage. Um, you go backstage. You go through a back entrance into the seas, and you get to watch. A, you learn a lot about the dolphins, and you get to watch a training session. You also then get to put on a wetsuit and wade into the water and take a picture with one of the dolphins. Um, really, really fun. Really informative. I absolutely love it. Would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, Dave Weikert booked that for me when I went when nice. I went on my two thousand nine trip. Uh, and so you want to know though my biggest takeaway from it, and this is really yes. like so the behind the sea behind the scenes at the seas was viewed in one television show. Do you know what it was? I mean, of course I do. Of course, it was the Boy Meets World Walt Disney World episode, and I was there like on that catwalk where Corey sees Dana from Step by Step. Okay. And, which, by the way, they make it seem like it's a lot easier to get back there than it actually is because Corey just kind of wanders back there a couple times. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there were a couple, like, there was like, also the room where, like, Topanga was learning about the dolphins. So we were in all of those. And so we walk in there and everyone's like, oh, cool dolphins. And I remember I turned and I was like, 
I was just like, oh my gosh, this is where Corey met Data from Step by Step. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I mean, like, and I still geek out about that. Like, I still <laughs> geek out about the fact that I got to be where Corey Matthews was. Um, then you have the Coral Reef Restaurant, which is attached to the Seas Pavilion, opened in January 15th, 1986. Uh, the restaurant has one wall with eight inch thick thick glass where you can watch tarpons, sharks, sea turtles, stingrays, groupers, and sometimes scuba divers. The menu art was created by artist Kim Minciello. Have you ever seen it, like, back to the, uh, in the Seas Pavilion, have you ever seen one of the divers actually enter the tank through that, like, big tube in the middle of the floor? I don't know if I've, I mean, I've seen divers in there. I don't know if I've seen them enter, per se. I've seen that, actually. So what happens is they get into, there's, like, this big, like, like tube in the middle of the sea base which i'm sure you've seen right and the diver gets in there and it fills up with water and they actually swim up into the ceiling and that's how they get into the tank oh yeah and of course there's a big hidden mickey in there too i have now coral reef uh have you had positive experiences here um i think coral reef is okay i've eaten there a number of times yeah i've only eaten there once and I, i ended up feeling a little sick afterward I've heard that from multiple people, so it's not, I mean, what a terrible recommendation. But having said that, I, I actually ate there on my last trip, and it was okay. You know, I, I do you find it a little morbid? No. No? No, as someone who loves seafood, no. But, like, you're eating fish while, like, fish are staring at you like, why, Peter Randall? That's, like, no. my, my fish voice, because they're under underwater, so. Um, <laughs> you, you, so you, you don't find that. But you know what? Those fish eat fish, too, so they're, right, probably, probably. They're, they're probably just like, oh, it's like regular life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why my fish voices. Okay, ready to go from the sea to the land? Yeah, quite a transition. Quite a transition from land to, from sea to land and land to sea. The Land Pavilion opened with the park on October 1st, 1982. It, was de- it is dedicated to the human interaction with the earth. Um, a strong focus here is on both travel uh, and agriculture. It explores how humans can both use the land for their benefit and how they can also destroy it. Future technology in better preserving the land is also explored in the pavilion, along with a focus on the celebration of the land itself. Uh, the pavilion is 24 hect- hectares, which is 2.5 million square feet. And features four attractions. Currently features Soarin' Around the World, Living with the Land, Awesome Planet, and the Behind the Seeds Tour. The pavilion was first sponsored by Kraft Foods for 10 years. Brought to you by Cheese. There you go. Your your, your pavilion, where you have your favorite restaurant, is exists because of a food that you do not like. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that other people love cheese. Yeah. In 1993, plans were made to update and modernize the overall tone of Epcot Center, and that included a major major refurbishment of the Land Pavilion. Kraft withdrew its sponsorship on September 26, 1993, and Nestle took its place. Uh, This uh, refurb was co-financed by Nestle and Walt Disney World Resort. Um, That refurbishment began on September 27, 1993. It switched it from more of an Earth Tones look to more vibrant colors. A much more modern look uh, for the pavilion. Originally, it had three attractions— Listen to the Land, The Kitchen Cabaret Review, and Symbiosis. So, uh, I think we're going to start with Living with the Land. All right. 
you know, you can't talk about Living with the Lamb without talking about the behind-the-seeds tour. Now, I've never done it. I know plenty of people that have, and they love it. They swear by it. So I, it's definitely on my radar. And it's not, from what I understand, it's it's not a very expensive tour to take. No, it's. I think it's actually the most inexpensive tour to take. Yeah, yeah. So you get to go through, and you, you get a much more in-depth look at a lot of, like, what they do there as far as agriculture goes. Um, originally, this ride was called Listen to the Land. And it had that really cool theme song. Listen to the land we all love. Nature's land will shine above. Listen to the land. Listen to the land. Which I miss. Anyone who has the Disney soundtrack knows that song. Yes, yes. Not much has changed between Listen to the Land and Living with the Land. Except for like, you know, the original opening scene was called Symphony of the Seed. It gave a look at the growth of plants. This is replaced with the storm scene that we have now. Originally, it was also guided by a live cast member, uh, which has since been discontinued, and now it is just a um, a a narration. I do miss the live cast member. Yeah, me too. And then, of course, the theme song was removed when when it was refurbished, which, you know, whatever. Uh, You have five distinct areas in Living with the Land. First, you have the Tropics Greenhouse which features crops from the tropical islands of the world, including both familiar and exotic foods. Plants on display here include bananas, cacao, jackfruit, date palm, dragon fruit, vanilla, cleome, pineapple, java apple, and papaya. Then you have the aquacell, focuses on aquaculture or fish farming. We're not going in order here, obviously. It includes several high-density tanks and a few low-density display tanks and tubes. Um, animals on display here include tilapia, sturgeon, paddlefish, catfish, bass, shrimp. Uh, there were American alligators in there for a while. They're not there anymore. And some of the fish harvested from the Aquacell are actually served in the Coral Reef restaurant in the Caesar Nemo and Friends Pavilion. Then you have the Temperate Greenhouse, formerly known as the Desert Greenhouse. This is a greenhouse featuring crops from temperate climates. Currently, the Temperate House showcases large-sized crops such as prize winner and Atlantic giant pumpkins, winter melon, pomelo, and nine-pound lemon. Other crops include sunflower, beets, turnip, cotton, millet, and and casa banana. Then there's the String Greenhouse, formerly known as the Production Greenhouse, which focuses on innovative high-density techniques such as nutrient film technique. It also shows off vertical growing techniques. I really like the vertical growing um, areas. I think that's really, really neat. Uh, One of the most famous examples of these is the Land's Tomato Tree, which produced over 32,000 tomatoes in a 16-month period. It was recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as both the largest and most productive tomato plant in the world. Other oh, crops, yeah, isn't that neat? Other crops there include eggplants, peppers, winged bean, lettuce, and snake gourd. Uh, furthermore, cucumbers and pumpkins are grown in the shape of Mickey Mouse through, through the use of spherical of special molds. Uh, mulch of the produce grown in the, I'm sorry, not mulch. <laughs> I'm talking about agriculture. That's fun. It said mulch. <laughs> Much of the produce grown in the string greenhouse is also used in the garden grill and sunshine seasons. Both restaurants are in the Land Pavilion. In total, over 30 tons of produce are harvested from the land each year. Then you've got the Creative Greenhouse. The final greenhouse in the attraction shows unusual ideas about the future of agriculture. Most of the plants in the Creative House are grown via aeroponics, in which fine mist of water and nutrients is sprayed directly onto the roots of plants. The roots dangle freely in the air and are not hindered by any growing medium. 
Some of the plant's roots in the creative house are enclosed within rotating columns and A-frame structures, while others are completely exposed to open air, at least temporarily, so that the entire plant can be viewed by the guests on the boat ride. Creative House also features a small exhibit of NASA hydroponic growing units, which were developed for use on extended-length space journeys. Uh, the crops on display here include tomato, squash, lettuce, basil, or basil, if you're from England. I've learned that, I've learned that watching Gordon Ramsay, that the English say basil. That's true. Rosemary, cabbage, super dwarf wheat, Swiss chard, marigold, and snapdragon. A couple additional elements here. You've got the biotechnology lab, which is attached to the creative greenhouse. Uh, it's a sterile research environment where several USDA scientists are on site performing research on crop improvement. The land also produces a product called Mickey's Mini Gardens in the biotechnology lab, which are available for purchase in several locations in Epcot. Integrated Pest Management Lab is also available there as, at an entomology laboratory that raises beneficial insects for use in the land and all over Walt Disney World property. It's not visible on the Living with the Land boat ride, but it is visited during the Behind the Seeds backstage tour. Insects raised here include uh, tiny stingless pa- uh, parasitoid wasps and ladybugs. So they're literally raising bugs and then releasing them into, into Disney. That's not a bad idea, though. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. All right, so that's Living with the Land. Anything you want to add about Living with the Land? Uh, you know, I mean, I love that ride. I, I like, again, this... I, I fear the day we ever get rid of kind of the educational component of Epcot. I don't think you can get rid of Living with the Land just because, like, they actually grow things in there that are used yeah. in the restaurants. Right. I, I, would, I would be really upset. Yeah. Um, and it's curr- the ride is currently sponsored by Chiquita, the banana company. Okay. Uh, Kitchen Cabaret. Uh, review uh, at Slash Food Rocks opened with the park on October 1st, 1982. It was a 13-minute audio-animatronic show. The host, Bonnie Appetite, introduced musical acts that all advocated healthy eating. Uh, some songs included were The Mealtime Blues, The Boogie Woogie Bakery Boy, Meat Ditties, and more. Uh, it became Food Rocks in 1994 and was presented by Nestle. The show was themed as a benefit concert for Good Nutrition, hosted by Fwad Rapper, or Food Rapper, F-U-D, Food Rapper, who was voiced by real-life rapper Tone Locke. It's Tone Locke. <laughs> I am, okay. Whatever. Jump in here. What a, <laughs> this is not my area of expertise. Oh, it's so great. Tone Locke. Uh, however, the show was continually interrupted by The Excess, a junk food-heavy metal band that detests nutrition. How dare they? These guys had to be stopped. Um... <laughs> In the end, Excess lost their power as Food Rapper explained, No power? You guys have been unplugged. There's plenty of foods out there that are good to eat, but remember, always eat with moderation. It's, it seems a real shame that we got rid of this for Soren. <laughs> uh, the audio animatronic characters were food items with human features, which is horrifying. Uh, the music was based on popular songs by well-known performers with lyrics adapted to the topic of nutrition. For example... The Peach Boys singing Good Nutrition was based on The Beach Boys' Good Vibrations. Uh, five of these acts used the voices of the parodied musicians themselves. Tone Loke, as I've heard that that's pronounced. There you go. Uh, Neil, Neil Sadaka, Little Richard, the Pointer Sisters, and Chubby Checker all helped. The only character who wasn't an animatronic was Chubby Cheddar, who appeared as a silhouetted projection on the center stage wall. The lead singer for the Refrigerator Police, which was a parody of the police, 
was a repurposed animatronic from Kitchen Cabaret. Many of the characters returned for the finale. This was tragically replaced by Soren in, in 2004. What a shame. <laughs> right? Do you think that, like, there's anyone out there that, like, like longs for the days of Food Rocks? and, and... I mean, hopefully not. Like, bring back Chubby Cheddar! You got rid of food wrapper for this? For this this flying contraption with smells and beautiful music and Patrick Warburton? Oh, man. What about Toad Loke? What about Toad Loke? <laughs> He's sitting somewhere with Hoot Gibson right now lamenting their, their, their shattered Disney dreams. Uh, speaking of Soren. How about Soren? How about it? Yeah. A flight motion simulator also at Disney's California Adventure, Shanghai Disneyland, and Tokyo Disney Sea. Soren employs a mechanical lift system, a projected presentation um, on an 80 foot or 24 meter concave 180 degree dome screen. It features artificial scents and wind to simulate hang gliding flight over several locations across six continents over the world. Now, originally, Pete, this may come as a surprise to you. This was called Soren Over California. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, so this was an opening day attraction at Disney's California Adventure in Disneyland. Um, opened on February 8th, 20, 2001. The initial version took guests over several locations in California and included a pre-show tribute, tribute to the history of California's aviation industry. Due to its consistent popularity, Soren Over California was duplicated at Epcot in Walt Disney World as Soren in 2005. The original Soren Over California returned to Disney's California Adventure for a limited engagement for June of 2019. I'm just like really dreading right now. I feel like somebody's going to be like, "How dare you criticize Food Rocks? <laughs> that was my childhood. You're 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 laughing at." It was a lot of people's childhood. That's pretty funny. Like, I mean, it's awesome. Like, when I first like was reading about it, I didn't realize that it was replaced by Soren because I was like, first I thought it was like replaced by like Circle of Life. So I was like, oh, why would they ever get rid of this for Circle of Life? And then I realized it, that it wasn't. It was replaced right. by Soren. Um, so uh, Soren over California closed for refurbishment on January 4th, 2016. Originally slated to reopen on June 17th with a third theater to coincide with the release of the new Soren Around the World film. The ride, however, reopened with the original film on May 27th with the change to the new film occurring on June 17th. You remember that one, like, for... Almost a month, we got Soarin' Over California again. Yep. The original ride film for Soarin' Over California lasted about four minutes and 51 seconds. It took you on a simulated hang glider tour of California. Uh, appropriate scents such as citrus, pine, sagebush, and, sagebrush, and ocean mist uh, filled the air as the ride vehicles themselves moved gently to simulate the sensation of flight. In addition to the state's various landscapes, the ride also features its diverse recreation, including snow skiing, river rafting, kayaking, Golf, horseback riding, hot air ballooning, surfing, and of course, hang gliding. The locations visited in Soren of California are as follows. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, the Redwood Creek in Humboldt County, Napa Valley, Monterey Bay Sanctuary, Lake Tahoe, Yosemite Falls, and Half Dome uh, in Yosemite National Park, the PGA West Palmer Course in La Quinta, Camarillo, Anza Borrego Desert State Park, the USS John C. Stennis at Naval Air Station North Island in San Diego, Malibu Beach, downtown Los Angeles, and Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. 
Uh, the original Soren over California used an orchestral score by composer Jerry Goldsmith, who is said to have come down from his first ride on the attraction in tears. Oh. Yeah. What have they done to my work? <laughs> my beautiful work. No, he liked it. Uh, in addition to finding the ride visually beautiful and magical, he said that his father was a pilot who loved all things California and said, I'd do anything to be a part of this project. Uh, I'd even score the film for free. The soundtrack he wrote plays through the entire... I'm assuming he didn't. Uh, the, the soundtrack he wrote plays through the entire attraction, starting with a crescendo in the low strings when the screen was still dark. Uh, I mean, the music of Soren is legendary, right? Oh, yeah. An updated version of Soren... Um, Debuted at the Adventure Isle section of Shanghai Disneyland Park as Soaring Over the Soaring Over the Horizon on June 16th, 2016. Then on August 15th, 2015, at the D23 Expo, it was announced that the attractions at Epcot and California Adventure would also debut versions of the new Soaring Over the Horizon ride film titled Soarin' Around the World. This new ride film featured locations, landscapes, and landmarks across six continents, as we said before. Um... Here are the locations that you visit. The Matterhorn in Switzerland and Italy, which ties in with Disneyland, of course. Isfjord in Greenland. Sydney Harbor in Sydney, Australia. Neuschwanstein Castle in Bavaria, Germany, which is what Cinderella Castle is based off of. Correct, yeah. Uh, Kilimanjaro National Park and Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. The Great Wall of China in China. The Great Pyramids of Egypt, the Taj Mahal in India, West and East Mitten Buttes in Monument Valley, Arizona, United States, Lao Islands of Fiji, Iguazu Falls in Argentina, the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And so you visit the Eiffel Tower in Paris in the Shanghai Disneyland version, the Disney California Adventure version, and the Epcot version, but it's actually Tokyo Tower in Tokyo in the Disney Sea version. Okay. No Eiffel Tower there. And you go to Shanghai, uh, China in the Disneyland version, Disneyland California in, in the Disneyland version, Epcot in the Epcot version, and Tokyo Disney Sea in the Tokyo Disney Sea version. So they all end in different locations. Uh, Soaring Around the World and Soaring Over the Horizon received a new score composed by Bruce Broughton, which was heavily based on Goldsmith's original score. The new score was performed by the London Studio Orchestra. Um, I really thought it was the same exact score. I didn't realize that it was rescored. I mean, I guess it makes sense because they have like the the India section where they have like yeah. like you know. So uh, yeah, I guess I really should have seen that it was rescored. But I just assumed it was the same composer because it's all that same like bum bum ba da da. And of course, how can we forget Patrick Warburton making his appearance felt in both versions of this attraction? Um, I remember there was this huge like concern that he wasn't going to be in Soren around the world. Yeah, me included. Yeah, me too. And and he like and he was staying really tight-lipped about it when asked about it. And everyone assumed he'd like film something new if he was still in it, but they just kept the original because it was fine. They didn't really mention California. Right. Um, I'm I'm was totally okay with that. So I remember being there on the day that Soren around the world opened and everyone's standing in the pre-show area. And Pete, everyone is so nervous. <laughs> because they're so nervous that we're about to get some new horrible pre-show. Right. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Warburton pops on the screen and the entire, all all three, like, air, pre-show areas cheered. Oh, that's great. Yeah, dude, it was, like, so, like, 
I remember my former roommate at the time was on the test and adjust team for this. And he was so good at like keeping the Disney secrets from me. I asked him for months about Patrick Warburton and he wouldn't even tell me that. Um, okay, so symbiosis was a thing that used to exist in the land pavilion. It was a 70 millimeter documentary opened in o- opening with the park on October 1st, 1982 and closed January of 1995. This is one of those attractions that Disney actually called eventually called boring. Hmm. I mean, when, it sure sounds it. When they changed it, they were like, we're changing the boring uh, symbiosis to, to the Lion King. Uh, so the movie focused on the balance between technological expansion and the protection of the environment. It showed environmental damage caused by humans and what is being done to fix the damage that was created. film was projected on a 23-by-60-foot screen and used a 13-track digital sound system. Closed on January 1st, 1995 and was replaced by Circle of Life, an environmental fable. Uh, the new film featured some re-edited footage from Symbiosis. Uh, now, did you, have you ever watched Circle of Life, an environmental fable? Um, yes, but I, so long ago I don't remember. I it. never saw it. It was narrated by Simba and featured Timon and Pumbaa. It, was op- it opened in January 1995. Some scenes were recycled from Symbiosis into the new film with animated sequences and character-driven narrative uh, were brand new, originally created, uh, also inspired by The Lion King. The article... Um, the, in, the It said that the 1990s were a decade in which conservation became a hot-button topic and Circle of Life was there to keep Epcot's finger on the pulse, so much so that the film holds up quite well and covers environmental issues still facing us 17 years later. Uh, that was described in an article. In addition to the live-action footage, the film featured about two and a half minutes of new animation featuring the characters from Lion King, produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation. The attraction permanently closed on February 3rd, 2018, and became Awesome Planet which I have not seen yet, but the official description of Awesome Planet is experience a call to action to protect the Earth. In a partnership with the Disney Conservation Fund, this all-new film uses in-theater effects, including wind, sense, and water, to tell the story of life on our planet and why it's vitally important to care for it. Finally, in this pavilion, we've got the Garden Grill, a revolving family-style restaurant featuring characters. Pete, tell us a bit about the Garden Grill. You know I love Garden Grill. I, I I feel weird saying it's my favorite restaurant, but I mean it might be. Um, I mean it's your it's your it's your day one restaurant at all times. It is my day one restaurant. Uh, I I feel like it's under like rated also. I feel a lot of people don't even know about it because yeah. of its location. You know, I mean think about how many Disney restaurants don't have some kind of like grandiose exterior saying here's this restaurant. Right. Um, I it it is a family style meal. Yes. Uh, typically a character meal. Right. Not at the moment, although I've heard they do actually have the characters walking around. Mickey, Pluto, Chip, and Dale, right? Correct. And Mickey is in his farmer gear. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if it's still this way. I guess it depends on like how they are, uh, what capacity is like now. I know for, uh, for a little while they were seating people on the lower ring and the characters would walk around the upper ring. Okay. And almost stop at the table. I kind of thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. But the food's delicious. They usually have um, some form of like chicken or turkey and a steak. Uh, It's been like a skirt steak a lot of times. Vegetables, mashed potatoes, stuffing. It's all you can eat. They keep bringing food out. There's a nice salad. uh, Really nice fresh baked rolls. It's it's a great meal. What kind of dessert do they bring out? So the dessert recently has been some kind of like a fruit compote. Um, Interesting. It's been okay. It hasn't been gangbusters of recent, but 
Because, like, like I mean, fa- the other, other family-style restaurant that I go to a lot is Liberty Tree Tavern, and they have the ooey-gooey toffee cake. Which sounds great. It's amazing. Right. So, okay, not, not, big, not big for the dessert, but, but the food sounds top-notch. Like, that steak especially sounds good. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And then we have Sunshine Seasons, which used to be open for breakfast. It's a quick-service location, but now it is lunch and dinner only. They have things like rotisserie chicken, salmon, and cheeseburger. And they have the Land Crusher Sandwich, which I really need to try. It's a pulled pork sandwich with cheddar on Texas toast. You can also get some okay. gross, gross Disney pizza there, too. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, do you go to Sunshine Seasons a lot? Uh, haven't of recent, but I mean, I've been there a number of times. The got- selection's so enormous. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I got to tell you with the festivals going on pretty much all the time now i don't i don't justify eating at sunshine seasons very often you're right you're right or any of the epcot quick service locations because i'm always just like up oh, festival 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 gotta get all the festival stuff no you're totally right yeah it's, it's kind of strange to me like back when food and wine was the only festival i mean you ate at sunshine seasons all the time it was you know like it was what you did but i mean now boy I, I don't I don't even remember the last time I ate there. It might have been breakfast when they still did breakfast. I vaguely remember eating the, the potatoes that they gave you for breakfast. Right. Um, it's funny. I mean, so my son, we were talking about, you know, our trip. And we're only going to Epcot for one day because Epcot's still somewhat in shambles. So we didn't really plan more than one day there. Yes, you made the and right choice. He was saying the other day, he's like, oh, you know, there's five snacks I want to have on this trip. And he's like listing the snacks. And I'm like, Ethan, like three of those snacks are at Epcot, dude. Like what are we going to do? Skip dinner so you can have three like enormous snacks? <laughs> like I do think it's hysterical that there's so much wonderful food at Epcot. It actually competes against itself. Yes, it does. It 100% does. Um, and that is this leg of the world tour. All right. So we, we, we covered some ground. Uh, next time we'll be picking up with the Imagination Pavilion. Um, and then we'll be talking a little bit about what's coming to this area. And then we'll move into the next area of Future World, which is the um, you know Future World East, which features things like Test Track and Ellen's well, formerly Ellen's Energy Adventure, Mission Space, and uh, then we'll move into World Showcase, and that'll be Epcot. <clears throat> then we'll move on to Hollywood Studios, and then Animal Kingdom, and then we'll be done with this. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Water parks? Uh yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Disney Springs, the history of Disney Springs. Uh. Maybe actually, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> that actually does sound awesome. I think we've done shows on that before, though. Um, <clears throat> all right, anything else you wanted to add this week? No, I'm I'm tired from the walking. Yeah, yeah. All right, well then, uh... that's gonna do for two minutes. The mass this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us and for coming along with us on the world tour. We appreciate having you guys here. And if you love our good friend Peter Mandel, go check him out like I'm going to do this weekend at Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey at 105 North Union Avenue, Cranford, New Jersey 07016. Or go to roguecomics.com where you can find a link to Pete's eBay store. Of course, if you're taking a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, Adventures by Disney, Universal Resorts, uh, any Disney resort throughout the known world, our buddy Dave Weikert of Magical Travel has got you covered. Uh, you can always find Dave as Magical Travel Dave on Facebook or email DisneyDaveW at Verizon.net. Uh, you can also, uh, if you're renting a Cribber Stroller on your next trip, our friends over at Kingdom Strollers have got the Cribber Stroller of your dreams and deliver it right to your Disney Resort. And folks, for me, uh, if you're in the New Jersey area this weekend on the 17th of October 2020, come check out UWA Elite Brawl for it all. 
And uh, if you're going to be around a few weeks after that, uh, the season finale on November 7th, UWA Elite Last Breath, will be taking place at the Sayreville VFW, uh, South River VFW. Um, also an outdoor show, so masks must be worn. Bring a, bring a chair. Um, of course, the Morty Monster YouTube channel. Our buddy Morty has been posting some Animal Kingdom videos as of late. Uh, Morty is also on TikTok at Morty Monster and Friends. He's also on Instagram at Morty Monster and Friends. And he does some Instagram live streams every once in a while, which you guys can actually call in and, and talk to him for a bit. Uh, more asking questions and whatnot than he, he will then answer. <clears throat> and my books, of course, are also available. Uh, both regular books and audio books available on Amazon.com. Uh, all right. Well, that does it again uh, for this week. Pete, any closing words? Well, let's get it done next week, let's too. Let's get it done next week. Continue the world tour. Please, folks, keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We will see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse. So there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow just a dream away. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Thank you for traveling with us.